There is nothing better than a football Friday. It is week two. The home opener is in two days. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gershman joins me. Cardinals host the Giants on Sunday. Who needs to have a big day to help secure that first win of the season? Also, we head into enemy territory. We get the Giants' perspective on this week's matchup. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 673, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what grit. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So before we get into the matchup of the week, Cardinals against the Giants in the home opener for the Cardinals, you learn something new every day when you have a brand new employee. And I learned something new earlier this week about our very own Zach Gershman. The nickname, which might have been a surprise to you as well, but walking, or actually not walking, but standing in the locker room during media availability, Kaiser White walks by. Philly, what's up? It's like, Philly? (laughs) Oh, that's you. So apparently now we'll just start calling you Philly around the office. It was a surprise to me as well. And when I came here, one of the first things we had to do was media day when all the players came in and we did all the photo shoots with them. And I was doing a story about just the excitement before training camp and Kaiser White was one of the guys I spoke to. And we were talking a little bit about how he came from Philly, me growing up in Philadelphia. We live only about, he has an apartment in Philadelphia, which is only about 15, 20 minutes away from my house. So we kind of built that connection, I guess, from then. And I'm not sure if he knows the name right now. He might not know that I'm Zach Gershman, but the Philadelphia ties definitely have stuck out to him. So listen, I'll take it. At least I'm memorable in some cases. It doesn't matter, I've learned in this business, whether an athlete knows your name or not. It's always nice because it makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. But as long as they recognize you, know who you are, who you work for, who you're with, because that's some more familiarity and the comfortability as far as being able to talk to that athlete. Exactly. And I think the 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 kind of head-scratching moment that came from this was the fact that Clayton Toon walked in. I met Clayton Toon uh, prior, also at that media day, but I was introduced to him. We had mutual connections through people he worked out with uh, that had Penn State ties. And he came. He comes in, hey, Zach, how are you? And then it was Kaiser coming in, giving a little tap on the back saying, hey, Philly, what's going on? And that's when you and I were kind of like, what is happening right now? And then, but, of course, there's Jesse Lucetta as well, and you guys are best buds. So yeah. We've established We've here. established that. I Listen, Craig, I've, I limited myself. I told myself I'm not going to talk about Penn State today, I, but, hey, but you set me up I for that I opened one. the door for this mention, <laughs> so just consider yourself lucky. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. But no, Jesse Lucetta seems to become one of my best friends. Always going to give him a fist bump whenever I see him around the hallway. But I mean, definitely when it comes down to it and you want to interact with these players, it's something that for me growing up before I got into the space working in college, these are guys you look up to as, as a fan and as an aspiring journalist. You always you always dream about interviewing these people. And now to have these type of relationships where I could say what's up to Kaiser White and he comes up and has a nickname from me um, and it reminds me of my hometown moving far from the East Coast, coming all the way out here to the to the Valley of the Sun. 
it, it it's heartwarming a little bit. And there's a reason I bring this up because I thought you had a fantastic article up on azcardinals.com speaking to Kaiser White about the Cardinals defense and the impact, the literal impact that Kaiser had in week one. Yes, there was the hit, but the number of tackles. And then hearing Buda Baker talk about just how sound the defense was and the communication. That is a direct reflection on Kaiser White having that green dot being the quarterback of the defense. But you were able to get a little bit more from Kaiser than, I'll say it, the rest of the media was able to this week because I think it is important you establish those relationships and it does make the player or the coach or whomever it is feel more comfortable in speaking with you. So I give you all the credit in the world. Thank you. And let's touch on what Kaiser had to say. Again, we'll get into Cardinals-Giants here in a moment. We'll also hear from John Schmelk a little bit later on, the Giants radio pre- and post-game and podcast host for a deeper dive into this matchup. But Kaiser, the leader of this defense, Buda Baker, yeah, the heart and soul, but I do think on the field it is Kaiser White. And his one specific quote jumped out to me. Quote, when you look at tape on the 2023 Arizona Cardinals, I think you're going to see that all year, all of us playing violent, fast, with a lot of takeaways and a lot of energy. End quote. And that is the one thing that this team can hang their hat on is coming out each and every week, whether you win or you lose, but your effort and where you are supposed to be on the field, knowing your assignments, doing your job, that, I think, would be a great benefit for everyone. 100%. And he followed that up by saying, we're trying to be the best defense in the NFL, period. And I, I said to him, I go, Kaiser, everybody knows what people are saying about the Cardinals, especially in the national media. Does that give you guys a chip on your shoulder as you're getting ready to do this? And he said, any given Sunday, you go out on that field and any given result could happen. Each week's a new opportunity. Each week's a new challenge. And that's what they're going out there and they're playing for. The defense did look very sound, and Kaiser, as you mentioned, Buda Baker is the heart and soul of that defense. The energy lies within him. That goes all throughout the remaining 10 other guys on that field. But Kaiser White, especially coming from Nick Rollis' room in Philadelphia, where Nick Rollis was the linebacker's coach, he comes in, and Dennis Gardick spoke about that as well, about how helpful that is. Kaiser knows what Nick Rollis is thinking of within that position specifically. Now he's bringing it to the defense as a whole, and he's helping out that group as well. But Kaiser definitely had a big game, nine tackles, led the team with the amount of tackles that he had, and he laid the boom down on that one play to uh, Sam Howell when he was scrambling down the left side of the field. What is interesting to me, though, is how convicted Kaiser was about this team being a bunch of dogs, but also going into it with the mentality that they are going to be the best defense in the NFL because no matter what, they're going to bring that energy, they're going to bring that effort, and that's something that there were questions around the Cardinals, who on that defense is going to stand out, but I would say the defense as a whole stood out in the game against the Commanders. Three takeaways, six sacks, seven passes defense. You held a Commanders rushing attack to under three and a half yards a carry. That is always a benefit. Now the question is, obviously, can you do it again? Yes, it's nice to do it once, and then all of a sudden people say, okay, well, can you do it again? Was it just a one-off? And I think that's the question now facing the Cardinals' defense as we get into what may or may not happen, but a couple of injury notes and some concerns, and perhaps by the time you hear this episode of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, LJ Collier and Josh Woods will have already been officially ruled out on the injury report. 
don't know that for certain as we record mm-hmm. right now. But when you do not practice or not seen on Wednesday or Thursday, Collier dealing with a biceps injury, Woods dealing with an ankle issue, two starters on that defense. Collier a little bit more effective than Woods just based off the snap counts and you're losing one of your inside linebackers with Josh Woods. It would open up the door for Chris Barnes to come in and play a little bit more. The Collier injury, Dante Stills, who was inactive week one. Perhaps now he is active on game day, but never like to see, never like to lose a starter, let alone two on a defense. But it does offer an opportunity for someone else to come in and be that next man up. It does, and when it comes to potentially putting Dante Stills in, the rookie class has stood out all throughout the offseason, all throughout training camp preseason. And in week one, Keetrell Clark, Paris Johnson Jr., both playing all the snaps out of all wide receivers. Michael Wilson had the most snaps for the wide receiver core. So the rookie class has been making an impact so far. And if you put Dante Stills in, you would only hope that that continues. You never like uh, you never like potentially losing two starters on the defensive side of the ball, especially we spoke about just now. They were effective. They got the job done. They really kept the Cardinals in the game against Washington just with the sheer amount of takeaways that they had and the amount of big hits, impact plays. And Jonathan Gannon spoke about how for a defense, you want to limit explosives. When they're trying to go 40 yards down the field, if you limit them to 10, that's a win for the defense. And his defense was able to do that a handful of different times when you're going against a speedy Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. They were able to limit them. It leaves the door open, Craig, for Dante Stills, Chris Barnes, potentially Owen Papo coming in as well and putting getting those meaningful snaps that they did not necessarily have in the game against Washington. Even without Collier and you have Stills active, you would still maintain that five-man rotation along the defensive line, and that is something that this coaching staff likes to have as far as Fresh guys in the front four specifically. Defensive line, edge rushers, the back end and the secondary, pretty much status quo. Offensive line, you know, they want that to be status quo as well as the quarterback. But a nice rotation amongst the front four to keep everyone fresh to where you can make that big play, that impact play, maybe that game-changing play in the fourth quarter and not have tired legs. And the the freshness is key. And John Gannon has repeatedly spoken about, and Nick Ross doubled down on it, that if you have a jersey on Sunday – you better go in and you have a role and you know the type of impact that you're supposed to and intended to make. Dennis Gardick spoke about how that rotation, keeping the guys on the edge fresh, the defensive line, those big guys, they need their breaks. You can't just have them out on the field all 70-plus snaps of the game. They need to be rotating in and out. And it also keeps the offensive line for the opposing team on their toes a little bit. Dennis Gardick, I saw on sideline exchange with Danny Sorex, he was talking about how they, it takes the offensive line off their rhythm a little bit when they have so many different guys running at them and trying to get into the backfield. It was an angle I didn't necessarily think about. We think about it a lot on the defensive side of the ball, how you want to keep them fresh, but you don't necessarily think about what the offensive linemen are thinking about when there's a new face getting in front of them every single time. It's a different scouting report for each individual, and if you're an offensive lineman, whether it's a tackle or a guard, you kind of get used to a certain pass rush, and maybe you... Figure something out that, okay, you learn, and then in the next snap, you're able to figure that play out. But if you're rotating constantly different people, then it becomes harder to figure out if a pass rusher has a certain tell or a favorite move that they'll go to in a 
given situation, that is key, whether that's third and long or late in a game. So keeping everyone fresh is going to be big for the Cardinals. I think it's also the uniqueness of every player, especially on the edge, has a different build, a different body type. You look at a guy like Zayvon Collins, big. He's played him more on the inside linebacker spot. As the years have gone on, now he's on the edge, and he was able to drop back into coverage, get that interception. Dennis Gardeck, a little bit smaller, not necessarily the type of build that you expect from an outside linebacker, edge rusher. He uses that to his advantage, and everybody has spoken about the impact Coach Rob Rodriguez has, how he's been able to go in and work with everybody based off their individual needs and their individual skill set. On the injury front, there is good news with running back James Conner dealing with a calf issue, according to head coach Jonathan Gannon. Connor is, quote, doing good. So that's good news for the Cardinals. Could see Kelvin Beecham in uniform this week. He did not play last week because of a hand injury, but he has been limited this week in practice. So, again, depth on that offensive line. Hopefully you don't see Kelvin Beecham because that means your first five are healthy, mm -hmm. but perhaps a sixth offensive lineman. We've seen that a couple of times in training camp and preseason. That extra blocker, potentially would be an offensive lineman versus a tight end. You don't want you never want to see anybody on your potentially in your front five on the offensive line um get injured or have to step out for a play because then the the head starts scratching a little bit and you start speculating what might be going on, especially with your your tackles being DJ Humphreys and Paris Johnson Jr. They all did pretty well against the commanders. They held their own in that game. So you want to have somebody that you know you can rely on, like a Kelvin Beecham who played in all 17 games last season. You don't know, you don't necessarily want to see him on the field, but you want to at least know that he's there as a possibility. All the guys that were on the injury report last week that were listed as limited and went through limited on Friday, they played in the game on Sunday. Kelvin Beecham started off as limited and then went to did not participate for Thursday and Friday. He was ruled out. That's where you begin to question about LJ Collier, Josh Woods, their availability. You start to speculate that they probably will not be out on that field on Sunday if they're not practicing on Friday. When it comes to James Conner, Lecky Fotu, and Kelvin Beecham, you, you have a little bit more reassurance. And hearing Jonathan Gannon say somebody was good today was a little nice because normally he says that they're nicked, they're, they're keeping it. They're keeping their eye out on him. They want to slow play it, whatever it might be. We've heard all the different sound bites from, from JG already to kind of avoid the, the true injury status. But to hear that James Conner is good, and we've seen him out there in the open portions of practices, you're hopeful. The better news is two names not appearing on the injury report at all this week. Zach Ertz, Hollywood Brown, both on the injury report last week. No appearance this week, which is great. And I think you could see that, especially with Ertz in that first game. Ten targets, six catches. He was a focal point early in that ball game. And as Gannon mentioned on Friday, Ertz, quote, looks like the guy of old to me, end quote, which I think is great because he was trending a year ago to basically rewrite the record books, team record books, as far as tight ends in Arizona Cardinals history and then gets hurt in November and that kind of sidetracked him but he was still able to put up massive numbers in just a limited number of games what does a full season mean with this offense if Zach Ertz is able to stay on the field a full season with a healthy Zach Ertz provides a number one reliable target and we Josh Dobbs came into the press conference his first week and he said Zach Ertz has been the guy that I've been relying on most throughout this process 
That translated off the field to on the field when he was the number one target, 10 targets going towards Zach Ertz's direction. Kyler Murray has built a great relationship with Zach Ertz, including during this ACL recovery process. The two have spoken about how they were connected because they've been training together. They've been rehabbing together in the process of getting back onto the field. The relationship was just starting to develop with Kyler Murray and Zach Ertz to its truest form, which is why he had such a successful year prior to the injury. If Kyler Murray does come back, that relationship, that chemistry is still going to be there. So a healthy Zach Ertz not only is helpful for the quarterback, it's also helpful for a guy like Trey McBride to learn under, to learn from, and also provide that second tight end option in the Drew Petzing offense that heavily uses the tight end. Would like to see the ball spread around a little bit more to the wide receiver position, but oh, again, yeah. we'll see what happens on Sunday. Again, the Cardinals host the Giants. It is the home opener kickoff at 1.05. 8.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Let's head to New York and get an update from the Giants side of things. Again, Thursday I had the chance to speak with John Schmelk, radio pre- and post-game and podcast host for the Giants. Our conversation began with what else? Me asking him about the Giants' week one outcome and whether or not that is safely in the rearview mirror. Well, um, I, I host an hour show every day on Giants.com, and pretty much on Thursday, eight of our ten calls were still about the game on Sunday, so that would be a heavy no. So how do you, and I guess some of the fans, process what you saw from the Giants against the Cowboys on Sunday night? Absolute panic. That's what, I think that's where the fans are at, to be honest with you. Um, I have tried to, you know, allay some of those fears and just try to try to explain that, look, first of all, in, in week one, weird things happen, right? We've seen it every year in the NFL. Like, does anyone think that the Steelers are as bad as they looked against the 49ers in week one? I don't think so. Does anyone think that the Joe Burrow is going to average less than 100 yards passing per game? I don't think so. And I don't think the Giants are 40 points worse than the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, last year, the Giants played the Cowboys to win one score in both of those games that they played against them. So I think you chalk it up to a couple of turnovers that turned into touchdowns. It was a block field goal touchdown, an interception touchdown. And then when you can't block the other team's pass rush, it, it gets very hard to score points. And you hope that things improve quickly, and I don't think there's any reason to think that, that they won't because this is still the same coaching staff that was here last year when they made the playoffs. And they are a more talented team. I think they've improved from a talent perspective since last year. So I think the hope is that this this gets better, and I think the hope is that it gets better uh, this week against Arizona. Yeah, it was not good. The offense held 171 total yards, just 63 net passing yards on Sunday in Week 1. You brought up the pass rush, and last week the Cardinals were able to get after Sam Howell. What's the yeah, what's the concern, if any, for Daniel Jones? And I know left tackle Andrew Thomas is dealing with a hamstring injury. Yeah, he was upgraded to limited on the practice report on Thursday. Um, he injured that hamstring trying to chase down uh, two players on those on the interception and blocked field goal attempt. And he kind of you could see him on the old twenty-two kind of pull up and fall down on those plays. I think the initial injury happened on the field goal. Um, here's the trickier part: the Giants have to visit San Francisco and play the Forty ers Thursday night, right after that Cardinals game. In fact, they're staying in Tempe that week and not even traveling back east. So then you get to the point, well, if you play him on Sunday, is he going to be able to turn around quickly and then play again on Thursday night? So that's another thing that 
I think is kind of getting put into consideration what comes to Andrew Thomas and the injury. But look, it'll be the second ever game for John Michael Schmitz, their rookie center, second round pick. You hope he continues to improve as he gets more experience. And then you just need the right side of the offensive line, Evan Neal, uh, who's in his second year, uh, to frankly just play better and, and do a better job blocking the edge. And same thing for Mike, for uh, Mark Lewinsky, a right guard. Both they, both of those players had their struggles, especially in the second half of that game. So, you know, there's there's no magic wand here. Those two guys just need to play better and and do a better job of blocking one on one and then passing off some of those twists and stunts that you know teams like to use on third downs. What impressed from your vantage point on what the Cardinals were able to do as far as that front seven and specifically an outside linebacker group that does not have, as I like to say, a resume as far as doing it on a consistent basis and surprising, myself included, a lot of people with six sacks on Sunday? Yeah, I was, you know, Zayden Collins, I think. I know he wasn't one of those that, that got one of those sacks, but I think you see that size and athleticism combination that he showed off when he was coming out in the draft, and I think that will eventually translate um, to, to what you'll see there um, at edge, and I think he'll develop there. But, you know, I think when, when you take a look at, at some of the other guys that, that had production, you know, it was just stick to right? Like they might not have gotten there right away, but they kept working and they kept working and they got there. And when they play a guy like Howell, a rookie who's going to hold the ball a little bit, you know, you play that way. And I think that's going to go a long way towards helping you get home. And even though there aren't names, I think you saw them play kind of that Y9 formation. I thought they really put those edge guys out wide, which really gave them some one-on-one opportunities. And what really impressed you the most, even though you guys were keeping your two safeties deep for most of the game, you played a ton of quarters in cover two, and you weren't bringing that safety into the box, plus you were playing those edge players so wide outside those tackles, you would have figured Washington would be able to run it up the middle. But Kazir White did a great job shutting down the inside run game and, and your defensive tackle. So that's what really impressed me most about Arizona, how you guys are able to keep those two safeties deep, prevent those big plays, but still stop the run up the middle and that's another challenge you're going to have against Saquon Barkley on Sunday because I'm sure the Giants are going to try to get that run game going. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We had a chance to hear from Buda Baker on Thursday, and that is priority number one for the Cardinals defensively is stopping or at least limiting Saquon Barkley. I saw this earlier in the week, John. The Giants 2-10 and 10 when Barkley gets 15 or fewer touches, and he had 15 touches exactly on Sunday. What are you hearing the plans for him against the Cardinals this week? Yeah, I mean, I think what happened in week one was, was more game flow than anything else, right? They were down 16 nothing in the first quarter, and then it only got worse. So you, you really can't – it's hard to stick to the run when you're down three scores in the first half. So I think that's why his touches are down. He still averaged about four yards per carry in that game, so he ran the ball fine. And I would expect that, much like the Giants played last year against the Bears and the Texans, they are going to try to get back to basics. They're going to try to run the football, run play action off of those runs. And, you know, I'm not going to say conservative, but I would say have a prudent game plan where maybe you don't expose that offensive line to as many true pass sets, right, with a bunch of five- and seven-step drop straight dropbacks. And you try to run the football, and you run off play action and, and things like that, some read option stuff, get the ball out quick, some RPOs, and, and you try to operate that way. Let's switch it over to the Giants' defense. What concerns them about the Cardinals coming up this week? Yeah, and by the way, just the other thing, too, uh, the, the Cardinals' defense is going to be very familiar with the Giants' offense. Their head coach and defensive coordinator obviously played them three times last year, too. So I think there's a little bit of a cat-mouse game there, which I think is, which I think is interesting. Um, 
I'm interested in how the, how the Cardinals handle the Giants' interior pass rush. You know, the best part of their defense is their front inside with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, even though Dexter Lawrence didn't have a sack against Dallas. He did have two quarterback hits. He was still in the backfield. Uh, Will Hernandez, who obviously is a former Giant, those guys practice against each other many times um, here with the Giants. So those two guys, I'm sure, will have a chance to go up against each other. Same thing with Leonard Williams. Uh, looking forward to that. And then can the Giants' edge rushers get going? Aziz Ojolari was added to the injury report. He was limited with a hamstring um, in yesterday's practice. You know, him and Kayvon Thibodeau did not sniff the quarterback in week one. So I watching the game last week, you guys were trying to get the ball out of Dobbs' hands quickly, so it might be hard to get home. But the Giants are going to try to control, especially the inside of that uh, defensive line and front area, and, and that's where Dexter Lawrence dominates. And then, you know, how do the Giants' two outside cornerbacks, and if they're in nickel, Adoree Jackson, their veteran's going to move inside, and their two outside corners, Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks, are going to be rookies. Uh, they did pretty well in week one, though Trey Hawkins got called for a couple penalties, uh, including one long pass interference. Deontay Banks got called for a legal contact penalty in that game, but otherwise he played pretty well. How do they handle the speed that the Cardinals have outside in Marquise Brown, in Rondo Moore, and frankly, how they use those guys as kind of gadget players in the run game, too? Can they be disciplined enough where they don't let those speed guys, you know, run by them? So those are the two things I think that'll be interesting to watch when uh, the Cardinals' offense is on the field against the Giants' defense. That week one game against the Cowboys, you look at what Dak Prescott did as far as throwing the football, maybe because, as you mentioned, you know, 40 to nothing, that the score didn't need him to do anything. I mean, he had no passing touchdowns. He only threw for 143 yards. So just how, how much were Banks and Hawkins tested in their first NFL game? Yeah, not, not a ton, I think, to, to your point. And the same reason the Giants couldn't get much pass rush in that game is because the, the Cowboys, I think they only had three or four true non-play action dropbacks where Prescott held the ball for any amount of time that would have allowed the pass rush to get home. So I think that was a big part of it. And for the same reason, they didn't really have to challenge Banks and Hawkins much. I think Banks got thrown at once. Hawkins gave up a couple of catches. And, and you got to mention that one 40-40-yard or so pass interference penalty where he kind of pulled Brandon Cooks down by the shoulder. So... They were okay. I mean, I think for a, for a first game, I think you have to be pretty happy, especially against the high-powered wide receiver core like the Cowboys have with, with Lamb, Gallup, and Cooks out there. But uh, they never really had to be challenged because the Cowboys took such a big early lead. So um, I would kind of leave that up for debate still as to where they're headed, but I think the early returns were good. A couple more here just looking at the Giants' defense, and oh. I saw it was a, a great write-up on Giants.com on how you feature the Giants' run defense against James Conner and what the Cardinals like to do as far as running the football. I personally would like to see James get a little bit more touches in this game as opposed to last week. I thought the Cardinals kind of get away from the run a little bit, and I would hope that Conner does get more touches, especially running the football is that, as far as the focal point on the Giants' defense, looking at what Connor's capable of doing, now he does have a bit of a hamstring, or excuse me, a calf issue that popped up on this week's injury report, but as far as James Connor running the ball against this Giants' defense? Yeah, look, I think improving the run defense was the focus of the Giants' offseason on defense. You know, they were one of the worst rush defenses in the league last year. I think they were either worst or next to last in terms of yards allowed per carry. I mean, they were a sieve. Uh, they could not stop the run. So they add Eshawn Robinson, um, Nunez Rochez, Nacho up front to back up Williams and Lawrence in the middle. They signed Bobby O'Karake to a big free agent contract who came over from the Indianapolis Colts. And I think 
their big focus was to improve that run defense. Now, in week one against the Cowboys, it was it was better, but it wasn't great. Tony Pollard still averaged about four yards per carry. So, yeah, I think that's a big deal. And I was really impressed at the variety the Cardinals had with their run game um, in that first week. You know, you mentioned James Conner. They had him line up as a fullback on one play. Uh, they used Keontae Ingram in, in a wildcat formation on one play. They had Rondo Moore in the backfield, I think, what, seven or eight times over the course of that game. So I loved all the different things that, that the Cardinals did, and I think that's going to test to see exactly how good this Giants run defense is because I think you guys do a lot of fun things in the run game, not to mention Dada's ability to, to kind of keep it and run as well. Can't let you go without a question about Isaiah Simmons, the former Cardinal, now Giants. I saw that he was playing a little bit more safety, at least on the game recap, although he's still listed as a linebacker. Did not see a lot of time in week one. Do you get a sense on how excited or maybe how much more we see Simmons on the field this week? Yeah, I, th- I think his role will, will continuously grow as you go through the year. Uh, I think when you talk to Wink Martindale about him, he's going to develop a specific plan for him each week and kind of focus his attention so he doesn't have to be worrying about doing a bunch of different things. He's in the linebacker room. That's where he's meeting. I think they like him as a pass rusher. They'll try to use him as a blitzer. You know, they had a role last year when they had Landon Collins and Tony Jefferson, two kind of veteran safeties on the roster, who were technically safeties, but they basically played within the line of scrimmage, and they were kind of that, you know, heavier or I should say lighter nickel second linebacker type of position. And I think that's kind of where they're going to use Simmons and he can either rush the passer from there. Maybe he'll cover a tight end one-on-one, you know, those sorts of things where they kind of really focus his attention and they hope that they, and I'm sure you guys had these conversations a million times down there where you can take those athletic gifts and focus them in a way that makes them an effective football player. So that's what they're trying to figure out um, how to do since that, trade was made a few weeks ago Tony Jefferson you bring him up another former Arizona Cardinal dollar linebacker is what they called him here when he was with the Arizona Cardinals after the uh, or at the start of his career John uh, appreciate the information it's uh, I'm looking forward to this game on Sunday it's going to be hopefully uh, a win for the Cardinals I will say that Cardinals certainly need but some some team this week is going to walk off that field 0-2 yeah, look, it's an important game for both teams. And like I mentioned, the Giants have playing the at San Francisco 49ers on the Thursday night after the game. So uh, definitely not an easy game three for the Giants. My understanding is you guys have pumped the temperature up a little bit. It's supposed to be around like 105 over the weekend. You know, we we in New York, you know, it's like 98 and humid and then like and we're getting really sour. But I'm not looking forward to the 105 that will be waiting for us when we land on Saturday. Good news is there's a roof. Um, I guess it will be closed yeah. on Sunday. So I would you, hope so. <laughs> you've got that for you. John, appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Hey, we have good memories down there, man. I was there for that Super Bowl back in 2007, so can't wait to be down there again. Appreciate John joining the show. Some good insight there. And, yeah, there is still panic in the streets in New York based off a 40 to nothing loss to the Cowboys in Week 1. You can only imagine what would happen if the Giants open the season 0-2, but that's their problem. Our problem here, Zach, is trying to figure out how the Cardinals can get to 1-1 and and win at State Farm Stadium, which they have not done a ton of over the last several seasons. But to me, it comes down to the running game. One, limit Saquon Barkley, and can James Conner do what he does best, and that is run between the tackles and really get some momentum going. I thought it stalled last week, not able to maintain his carries, whether that was by design 
or the effectiveness of the Washington front. But to me, it's James Conner getting more than just the 14 carries he had against the Commanders. Definitely is. And you, if the conditions were a little bit different, Jonathan Gannon said that you probably would have seen a little bit more of James Conner. Could it potentially be because of a lingering injury, which is why he's on the injury report, that they didn't use him as much? Potentially, but I don't necessarily think that that was the case. The runs just were not as much there. And I think it was interesting with Keontae Ingram, especially that kind of just showed that there were some run plays that just were not working out. Anytime Keontae touched the ball, he was heading back a handful of different yards, finishing the minus with five attempts for negative four yards. So it wasn't pretty on his end. In order to have a balanced offense, you do need to have a continuously running James Conner. He does find the gaps the best out of anybody on the Cardinals running back staff. Arguably the best in the league, though, is on that other side of the ball in Saquon Barkley. The bounce he has, the the power, the vision to run through the gaps. Once he has open space, goodbye, Saquon. He's on the way. So getting to him early, getting to him on the edges when he tries to bounce out to the left side or to the right side, that's where it's going to be key for the edge linebackers and for the middle linebackers to make sure that they get in and stop Saquon. On the Cardinals rushing front in week one, 25 attempts versus 30 pass attempts. So almost 50-50. And when you talk about being balanced, that's a good balance as far as as close to 50-50 as possible. I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the offense rely on Connor and the running backs because it was day one, if you will, game one for Josh Dobbs. Don't put a ton of pressure on his shoulders. Put that pressure on James Conner, who can certainly run the football and carry an offense. He averaged 4.4 yards a carry. That is a great number. But it was looking at the carries per half. Six in the first half, eight in the second half. This was a one-score game for much of the ball game. You didn't have to go away from the run. And I just think if you can, again, maybe that was weather-related. The calf, when did that pop up during the game or after the game? A lot of little things that we aren't familiar with or not in the know of, but just giving that ball to number six because the Cardinals in the first half averaged almost five yards a carry. That number dropped to below four for the entire game. So again, was that the Washington defense or was it more of a product of James Conner and that calf issue? I think it could have been, I think it potentially could have been both. But you do want to see more of James Conner because the runs were working. He ha- he finished with uh, 14 attempts, 62 yards. He had that long run in 12 yards. That was his longest on, on the afternoon. To, to get the ball in number six hands, he is a difference maker on this offense. And with a new quarterback in Josh Dobbs not having as much familiarity, I'm surprised that they didn't use him as much on the running back side on the running back side of the ball because he did have the opportunity to break loose for a couple of different plays and to see that he wasn't used nearly as much potentially it's going to be different once you're inside a dome and you're playing inside and you're comfortable on your own grass maybe that'll be different but it was it was a little bit worrisome that James Conner wasn't used as much considering that he is the feature back this I can guarantee is that Saquon Barkley will be featured a heck of a lot more than he was in week one. He finished with only 15 touches, and this notes from Next Gen Stats about Saquon Barkley. Giants are 2-10 and 10 when Barkley gets 15 or fewer touches in a game, and he got 12 carries, 3 catches last week in that 40 to nothing loss. Again, so lopsided to where... You had to throw the ball. You couldn't give it to Barkley. But 
that is, to me, the key defensively and listening to Dennis Gardeck on the Big Red Rage talking about a party at the ball, meaning all guys rushing towards Saquon Barkley because he'll run through contact. He is great after contact as far as gaining additional yards. He is a big running back. Jonathan Ledbetter talked about the quads, Saquon Barkley, because of his powerful in the lower body. So that is something to keep an eye on. You can't rely on just one tackler. It's got to be all hats towards the football to bring down Saquon Barkley. Can I bring up one Penn State point? Okay, yeah. One, we already established uh, it opened the door. Might as well. No, because I think Jonathan Ledbetter opened up the door talking about Saquon. There's a video of him do uh, bench pressing or uh, squatting at Penn State. And to see he's lifting like 600 pounds, I believe it was. Not what you expect a running back to lift. And it went it went viral to see how a small guy or smaller running back in Saquon Barkley could have that size, that power, and the muscles ability to, to do such a thing was unheard of. He will definitely be seen a lot more. The defensive side on the Arizona Cardinals or for the Arizona Cardinals is not as good as the Dallas Cowboys defensive side of the ball. With the guy like Micah Parsons, Leighton Van Der Esch that they have over there, the the Cowboys have a very good defensive front, and they they showed that against the against the against the New York Giants. Daniel Jones was hit so much, and NFL Films caught the Dallas Cowboys saying, "Why do they still even have Daniel Jones in? He could potentially be hurt." Micah Parsons went on his podcast and said, "It was not safe for Daniel Jones." The Cowboys' defense is different. You got to give them their credits where you got to give credit where it's due. But Saquon Barkley is going to be heavily featured a lot more because the chances are that the Giants are down 16 nothing. I wouldn't necessarily put my, my put my hat on that one. Well, just go back to that first drive. The Giants had success against the Cowboys defensively, and then there was, you know, basically everything went up in smoke. There was the block field goal return for a touchdown, a pick six for a touchdown, and all of a sudden you're trailing and you have to abandon the run to get back into the ball game. But Yes, uh, Daniel Jones was pressured quite a bit. Can the Cardinals do the same that the Cowboys were able to do? Still don't know. You know, you got a left tackle and Andrew Thomas is dealing with a hamstring issue. Plus, keep this in mind, Bird Gang, this is a short week for the Giants. They play two games in five days on Thursday. They're at San Francisco. They are staying here in Tempe before traveling to San Francisco for that game on Thursday. So how much... Does Brian Dable and the Giants coaching staff look and try to figure out, all right, where we are on Sunday with the hopes of trying to get two wins on the West Coast? Does that play a factor as far as play calling or guys' snap counts this week? The, the short the short game week, I know players hate going from playing those short game weeks because your entire preparation is thrown off. I didn't even think of the, the, the San Fran angle of it because that's definitely important for a team that does not want to start 0-2 and was trying to at least get one game out in the West Coast. One, You mentioned the, the injury report for the New York Giants. Something I think is very underrated, we'll have to see how it goes, is Graham Gano, the Giants field goal kicker, is dealing with the right ankle injury. The right ankle, is he kicks off his right foot. So that's always, you never realize the importance of a field goal kicker until you really need him. Don't like talking about special teams, because when you do talk about special teams... Nine times out of ten, it's because special teams was a disaster or something went wrong. So, yeah, always pay attention to the kicker because, yeah, this game, 
Predicting, I would think more. Now, I wouldn't say low scoring, but much like we saw in Week One, I think especially early, especially early in the season, you have teams still figuring themselves out and more of a feeling out process before you kind of really figure out. All right, what kind of identity do we have as a offense? We know the identity the Cardinals want on defense, and that is being physical and playing with smart violence, if you will, <laughs> and not being overly violent to where you're getting those penalty flags as the Cardinals were in week one. But uh, I'm not expecting this one to get out of hand either way. I'm not either. And I would say that this is not going to be the same New York Giants team that you saw against the Dallas Cowboys. It is still those first few weeks in the NFL season. Although you want to come away with those wins, you're still trying to figure out your team identity and that feeling out process that you alluded to, Craig. So no team, especially in the New York media, wants to get blown out in the way that they did be and especially if they come here out to the west coast and they play Arizona and they don't come away with the win the panic on the street that you spoke about Craig it's going it's going to be like a riot in the streets after that if something were to happen Cardinals have won four straights over the Giants with that means who knows but again that's just the history the recent history the Cardinals have won each of the last four meetings Cardinals and Giants coming up on Sunday. That is a 105 kickoff, 8.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins. The home opener and your first home game officially, not counting preseason. Yeah. When you said that, when we were walking in here, I didn't even think of it like that. I'm, I'm very excited to see what the Bird Gang looks like in, in full force. Obviously, when Kansas City, Kansas City has a very big following. They made sure to, to invade State Farm Stadium. As the Denver Broncos, the New York Giants, they have to come a little bit further than, than those two teams. So to, to see an East Coast team come all the way out here and State Farm Stadium being the first you know home game for me this season, I'm excited for it. I just I'm ready for it. We're ready. Should be a lot of fun. Again, that comes up on Sunday at 1.05 from State Farm Stadium. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.